Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. You got to see your local store for details. Hey, if you're looking for a thermal device that does pretty much everything on the planet, check out Pard Optics FT34 Thermal Front Clip-On. It is a game changer in thermal. It's a versatile three-in-one device with a quick detach mount for easy scope attachment, eliminating the need for re-zeroing every time you put it on. It offers features like one-shot zero, PIP mode, blind pixel correction, auto hot target tracking, Wi-Fi connectivity, and, this gets my kid very excited, video recording to a 128 gigabyte micro SD card. You can even use it as a compact handheld spotter for scouting. This unit does it all. Check out the FT34 as well as many other great optics at www.pard.com. For hunters who are seeking the ultimate edge, Quiet Cat's Apex Pro is the answer. Its unparalleled performance and stealth are designed to enhance any hunt. Quiet Cat is more than an e-bike, though. It's a revolution in how you approach the wilderness, ensuring you can go further and hunt smarter. Save 10% on the Apex Pro and elevate your pursuits when you use code MEATEATER at QuietCat.com. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by OnX Hunt, creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. Download the Hunt app from the iTunes or Google Play Store. Know where you stand with OnX. I'll tell you something interesting. Um, yeah, a couple times I've expressed outrage, which, you know, that's what Americans do nowadays. You just express outrage all day long, right? I was expressing outrage about uh, the fact that 24 individuals have contacted Mo- Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, so contacted their state game agency to get GPS tracking data on animals. And the state was saying we have but little option but to give it to them. Meaning you could go, like, they're like, I know a good hunting trick. You contact a biologist who's got collared, a collared bull and say, hey, I want all the waypoints. I want to know, I want the GPS tracking data because you're a state agency and so therefore it has to be public information. It's like publicly funded science, so they want access to that. Yeah, and I just outright condemn these people as being horrible people, right? And then following up on that, uh, Jim Heffelfinger, who is a wildlife biologist in Arizona, was saying that in Arizona, just for that reason, we have a st- some kind of state statute or something that makes it 
that gives us the ability to not provide tracking data to people. A dude writes in, though, and he says, um, on last week's podcast, uh, never mind that, because I don't know when it was. It was recently, but I just got around reading this now. Steve mentions the fact that there have been several requests for GPS collar data in Montana. I am one of those requesters. I thought I'd share a little of why I requested it and what I actually received. He then goes on to establish his credentials as a hunter, feeds his family off wild game, um, loves wildlife, and he's a photographer. And he requested data. This is what he has to say. He requested data for a big bull elk. Somehow he knows about a big bull elk or another. He requested data for a big bull elk in a mountain range that is very, he, it takes a range, it takes a lifetime to draw a tag in that range. So I'm guessing he's talking about the tobacco roots. That's my guess. Well, not tobacco roots. Elkhorns. Elkhorns. Yeah. Sorry. Correct. He says, he's into this thing, he says it's a thing now that you, and it got, I know where it got big. Rick probably knows because Rick's into all this kind of stuff. Where you set a trail cam in a sweet looking spot and the hope is that you'll get an image of a, you'll get a trail cam image with some kind of stunning background. And these aren't just like Dick and Jane trail cams. Like these, no, it's like high, high end systems, all custom Lay it out for us, Rick. Well, I mean, you know, g- getting close to animals and taking pictures of them, unless they're habituated. Like that's, that's like, that's Rick's, I should point out to people. That's Rick's yeah, specialty. I mean, definitely. <laughs> um, unless they're roadside animals that are really used to, or on a private ranch or something like that, where they, <laughs> they don't, uh, they don't run away from you. Um, taking, taking pictures of, uh, animals that don't want their picture taken is really hard. Uh, and it results in like a document, but not like something that's aesthetically pleasing. So these trail cams, you can rig up with like nice lenses and a big system. And how do you keep it all waterproof? It's all like housed in like a little uh, pelican case, like a, the electronics are housed in there, and they have. Mo- they but it's have, like a dude setting a legit camera out. Yeah, like a like a five thousand dollar camera in a box. I wonder if people ever hork because it, like it's one thing to hork a trail camera, but if you're going to hork like a oh, it's definitely. I mean, the, yeah, unless you, I mean, you could easily like I don't know tie it to something or lock it to something. They, the boxes will have like a mechanism that you can lock that box, but it. But it consists of something to power that camera for a really long time, uh, a, a motion sensor, both like a passive sensor that's just catching uh, any sort of movement, like a, a motion sensor you might have in your house to turn on the lights. Mm-hmm. But then they also have these active sensors where it's like a beam. So the animal breaks the beam at a very specific point. Because you're like, you're composing. Oh, because you're wanting to get them like dead Like a nuts. very specific, yeah. you know, composition. Um, and there's some folks that are, uh, I share, share an office with a, with a fellow that's super good at it. Uh, Ronan Donovan. Who's the mug that, um, got into that big time. And he's the one that got the, the mountain lion with oh, the Hollywood sign behind him. P32. Uh, yeah. Uh, Steve Winters. Yeah. He spent like a year, you know, like in his head, he's like, I know there's this lion that is in this area and he wanted the Hollywood sign back there. So, I mean, I think it. He had that camera out there for over a year. Hmm. That's you know? what this dude's doing too, huh? 
That's what he says he's into. And he challenges me. He goes, you can go look it up online. It's a thing. Anyhow, are you good on that, Rick, or you want to get into the No, no, that's uh, you don't like explain. I had some useful information to add. So once. his point was that he's not going to hunt this animal. <laughs> that's, that, that's where we're getting well, he's, to. Well, yeah, but we're not even to the good part, but that's his point. Okay. I'll tell you something about Rick that was good there, just for listeners at home. Have we talked about this? I always, I always feel like Rick's going to know things. And oftentimes I go to him and I'll be like, yeah, you know, Rick, Rick knows. And then, and then he'll not know. It's very true. Yeah. But he'll say. Like I have high expectations. Well, I'm good at making up. I'm good at making up <laughs> stuff I don't know anything about. Well, but, because but you nailed that. Knows. You nailed that one. Well, he usually does, but sometimes he don't. Like a word that's will come actually, up. That's actually, that's, yeah. That's I'll it. be like, it, Rick, how do you pronounce that word? In my wheelhouse there, yeah. Steve. That one was. That's specifically in your sweet But the spot. other ones, I'll just pretend it's in my wheelhouse. That one, that's actually. The, uh, let me ask you this about the photography world. Yeah. What's wrong? What? Chris what? was going to say something. Well, I was going to say that uh, Rick often says things. This is the voice of, of, of Chris Gill. Rich, me and Garrett Conrad. are sharing a mic, and he's wearing the headset. So that's why. That, that's COVID safe. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I was yeah, just going to really, It's a long headset. Anyways, Rick often. <laughs> it's a six foot mic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. Rick says things with such confidence, even if he doesn't know what he's talking about, that you believe it. Uh huh. Which gets him into the situation where you always just defer. You're like, oh, yeah, Rick knows. Because even if he doesn't know, he's like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's it. But what adds to it, too, is that <laughs> what, what, what's good about it is that when he, when he, like, okay, if he half knows, he might act like he no knows. Yes. But if he doesn't know at all, he just says he doesn't know. Mm. Yeah. If I have a uh, little, yeah. uh, <laughs> if I have just if I have just like ten percent of the information, you'll pass. I'll bump it up to no. I'll bump that up to like eighty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me ask you this, Rick. Yeah. This yeah. is a photography ethics question. All right, in the wild from wildlife. I photography. do. I have an MFA, and we we talked about that stuff. Mm. Axiographics. So. With, I'll preface it by saying this: uh, when and I want to get back to this dude, but but yep. but this is interesting. Um, I was surprised. It, it, let me back up. When we just published our the Mediator Guide to Wilderness Skills and Survival, which is available now at Amazon, um, I, as part of the promotion for that, did, did this little Wall. There was like a small profile of me in Wall Street Journal. Yep, which was great. Yeah, fantastic. Great, great piece, of, great piece of ink. Uh, I spent some time with a photographer who had to take a portrait. Yep. So Kylie and I went out with her to take a, a portrait. And I was, and she was very like, it took a long time. Okay. And she was telling me that in the journal, even if it's just like a human interest piece, she cannot manipulate that image. Yeah. She said, if there's a piece of hair on her lens, she can't wipe that out. Yep. Why? They're like, because they will not allow the yeah. journal. They, they yeah. regard themselves as a news agency. Journalists. And yep. they're so strict about not no doctoring of images that they can't even remove lint on the lens. Any imperfection. Like you and can, they, so they, she often, they often deliver the final image and then the raw photo so that you can compare the two to make sure that that there wasn't any Photoshop work done. She can't adjust. She can't post adjust light. 
So yep. she can't even There's, adjust the image quality of it. I, that's what she was saying to me. So, she, or, or like you, but, use I, but I, I might not have the vocabulary to fully explain yeah, it. But she, some, she can't do shit, and she's taking the portrait. Like I've done portraits for magazines; they do whatever the hell they want. Yeah, they, yeah, touch it's quick. Up. No, it's a it's a whole different deal to be considered a photo journalist. Mm-hmm. Than just that's a, what she. Yeah, she's a photo yeah, journalist, photo not journalist. a photographer. So you got to be real on top of your shit. You got to wipe your yeah. lens. There was some, sure I think there was some big clean. scandals back in the day when Photoshop was first coming on. Sure, people would take remove like a post or a sign pole that like made the image aesthetically not as pleasing. So that there was like I think there was a when the transition to digital happened, there was kind of a thing. yeah. There's a bunch of protesters. You put in some guns. <laughs> yeah, you can add stuff. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. You just knock yourself out. Yeah, horrible. Uh, uh, no, okay. That that prefaces my question. In the wildlife world, is it bad? To, in the wildlife photography world, is it bad to doctor? Uh, I think for the folks that consider themselves journalists or like advancing, like the science of either conservation or wildlife, yeah, they don't. They're not messing with the images. So Nat, National Geographic, where that where that mountain lion Hollywood thing came not from, not messing, not messing with that, it. That it wouldn't fly if he's like, well, I took a picture of a lion and then put the Hollywood yeah, sign. No, no. and they would. I think. They would maybe call those photo illustrations or graphic design or yeah, it, uh. it like go. But there is, a, I think, the public often kind of blurs the two, and they're like, "Oh, look at this amazing picture of a lion," and it's like super manipulated, or it turns into it's a form of art, but it's not the same as capturing that animal, you know, in a less doctored w- way. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know if the public really cares that much. For Christmas, I bought my my wife likes to do puzzles. Yep. I bought her a thousand piece puzzle of a woman in sort of like a metal swimsuit and a big axe riding on a dragon. You can tell that shit's not real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, probably me manipulated <laughs> a little. So, um, and I bought her a crazy puzzle. Does she know these out. gifts? Yeah. No, but it won't this, matter. This is Christmas, come Christmas out. is coming out. Right? Christmas is in a, it, it, we're fine. A couple days. I bought her a crazy puzzle. She likes hard puzzles. And she has a problem where if she starts the puzzle, she can't go to bed until she finishes the puzzle. Is that real? It's a the real whole? It's a real problem. She, just, she goes One all time night? She started doing a puzzle, and everybody went to bed on New Year's Eve. And uh, I like to go to bed real early on New Year's Eve. But everybody went to bed on New Year's Eve. And she stayed up because she can't go to bed. It's a she's got a puzzle thing. She do, she doesn't try to find them, but if she goes, if we like go to stay at a friend's house, this happened to her once. We go to a friend's house and they had a puzzle kind of started. She couldn't help herself but do it, and then I made her undo some of it because it's like they obviously were trying to do the puzzle. She sees a puzzle, she can't not do it. That's that's like you in like a <laughs> dirty garage. Dirty garage. I bought her a puzzle of a dude. Uh, in a giant weed garden, Ganja trimming weed? weed. So it's all just weed. <laughs> Where you get all the puzzles? Oh, my friend Savannah sent me a link because she knows it's my wife's old roommate sent me a link, being like, to, like you know, like your wife's got a puzzle problem. If you're really on a mess with her, give her this weed puzzle because she won't look at the picture either. She oh, doesn't let man. herself look. This is going to take her a million years. She's going to be like die. She sleep. Look at the She's going to die of sleep deprivation by the time she finishes the weed puzzle. But the same outfit work. I think it was Workman Publishing. The same outfit had the woman riding the dragon. So I kind of threw that into the basket. Warm up, warmer upper puzzle. Yeah. Um, okay, back to this guy. 
We're, we're sweet. Oh, you're still going. Oh, him. dude, I haven't got to the good part. <laughs> All right. Got the preamble. So he goes on to explain his wintertime hobby, sort of like me and Seth Trap Martins. His wintertime hobby is uh, setting trail cams. Um, he sets them in areas, intentionally sets them in areas with spectacular landscapes. Okay. And the, wants to get the animal in the perfect pose. So he requested the data because he wanted to find pinch points with a view to get some really cool shots of some of the most sought-out bulls in the state. Here's what I got from FWP. Okay, So what I heard is FWP had little recourse other than to hand over the data, Yeah, which I was like, that's, what's the world? (laughs) Nothing sacred. More on Christmas, right? So... Um, first I had to file a formal written request along with an explanation of what I was going to do with the data. I'm sure no one believed me. The request went to someone's boss's boss. It took seven months of back and forth to get approval. They did their due diligence. Second, when I received the data, it was in map form, not coordinates. The map was at the scale as to show the whole range and the dots that signified the location data were large enough to cover several hundred yards. And just for reference, there's one dot per day for every collared animal over a five-year study. That's a whole lot of dots, most of which are on top of each other. Third, the maps are broken into three-month periods. FWP must have forgotten to give the data from September through November because I only received three sets of maps. Lastly, they threatened me with jail time if I share the data or use it to harass wildlife in any way. I'm assuming I'm on some sort of watch list now. And oh, the most recent data I received is two years old. Yeah, so F- <laughs> FWP was like, okay, we're going to give you the data, but we're going to make it as hard as we can yeah, for you. It goes on to say, if I was looking to kill some elk, it's not, know, not that helpful. Not that helpful. Yeah. I mean, he, he was looking for some nice little tracks of like, he's just trying to find patterns of movement or... Yep. But isn't I mean you could just do that. I think he probably being just, a woodsman. Yeah, he just has to go yeah. go out there, hit the ground. Yeah, sure. Probably it, it probably helps just giving you like a general. Like oh, he spends a lot of time here. If he's doing it, other elk are doing it. You know. Oh, it's but it's, he was looking for an individual, like some mo- monster. I recently um, didn't request it, but I got some I got some information from a biologist that. Uh, was very helpful. And it was, I got a map showing the, it's, it's a big map, and it shows, it's color-coded for habitat quality. So the darker red it is, the better they regard habitat quality to be for this particular species. Overlaid on the map are dots showing where kills had been registered but there's only dot uh, there's a dot for every section where a kill has been registered and it doesn't matter if one or a hundred things were killed on that section the section still only gets one dot yep so it could be a freak outlier or it could be like the hottest honey hole of all right but it's not good for anything specific but when you look at it 
you get a sense of, I looked at it and I got a sense of, okay, where's the good habitat for the species? Um, and the most interesting thing to me about it was that it showed particularly how people were accessing the area because there are mass areas that were the deepest, darkest red that had no dots in them. And all the dots were along, uh, all the dots were concentrated along road systems. And so you could look at it and get a very general sense of like um, where one might go that's good habitat, but not, but, but likely not getting exploited. Like the resource is likely not getting exploited in those perfectly red areas that don't have any dots. So like super helpful. Super helpful. I mean, I feel like the science... But not like, oh, I got them now. You know, no. can you share what species it was? <laughs> uh-uh. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I got a question that's very simple, that coincides with all this. So on Onyx, they have the harvested buck and elk reports, right? Okay. Bull elk, mule deer, buck, or whitetail buck from 2018 when you click on the, the unit to see the regs. And I was like, man, if you're trying they, to learn... They have the, the distribution of where those animals were killed? Not within the game unit, but they oh. have what that game unit's harvest Yeah, so harvest that's is. kind of a similar thing where you yeah. kind of know... It's just the numbers. Yeah, just right. the numbers. It's not but, like dots on a map. No, but, but you can see which unit has like maybe exactly. a higher percentage of harvest. success. And I was like, if you're trying to figure out, if you're just going in blind to an area, like I was trying to learn a new area in Montana, and I, that would be part of what I... Is that where you walked I'd, your dad to death? Yeah. But that that's just one part of figuring out, is it worth going in, in here? There's like, you know, three there's, bucks harvested. You're like, oh, and it's a huge, you know, WMA or something. Or yeah. yeah. But there's a lot of ways to look at that, too. Like, how many tags they give out. Yeah. And that was, yeah. It was it was like just another little piece to use though. I think the success rates, oh, percentage of hunters, and, is yeah. extremely helpful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're if you're looking at like certain limited draw things, and you see the success rates are like eighty some percent, and you factor that some people probably never even show up, you're like, this Put is gravy. That. Yeah, it's gravy. Um, if you're looking at success rates that are in single digits, you kind of like know that you better carve out a little chunk of time. And well, all the units I was looking at were just general over-the-counter yep. units, and it did, like, it did somewhat guide me on, you know, maybe the difference between this unit or that unit to go explore on foot. Mm-hmm. That's kosher, right? Oh, that was the question. I forgot you were asking a question. Yeah. <laughs> oh, of course, man. <laughs> I don't. I want. I want to say one more thing about the photographer. Oh, I mean, let's go back to him. It's just that's a lot of like that's good for him. Like yeah. trying to, he's trying to take a, a great photo and everybody takes photos these days. So the only way to separate yourself from the masses is like do something different. And, you know, you can debate like, should he have that information or shouldn't he? But he's at least trying to do something different, which is c- commendable. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of people that have a vision in their mind of a photo that they want and they go and get that photo. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Give me an example. Um. Yeah. What's the, what's a photo you want, Seth? Well, here's an example. That what's that uh, fellow's name? You guys know we we're talking about him. Um, oh, Donovan. No, that that Everest. Donovan, film. the musician. No, Ronan. Then when the herd, Ronan Donovan. Man. <laughs> Don. 
Ever not. Oh yeah. So there's this dude. He wanted. He wanted a. He wanted a a shot of, um, a dude walking, like free solo across one of those, just like a a wire. Slack line from like two, you know, is a slack line spread between two points. Oh, dude! Did you ever see that documentary about that guy? Man on a wire. Oh my god. Oh, fantastic. That's a good ass movie, man. You know what's weird about that? Hold that thought. Okay. <laughs> I got a I got a I got a counter. In Soderbergh's it was Man on Wire. You know that Steven Soderbergh film he made with the porn star Sasha Gray? Yeah. What was that movie? Girlfriend? <laughs> Something Girlfriend like that. experience? Yeah. Oh yeah. If yeah. you watch that movie real careful, the dude gets the a uh, dude gets the a prostitute and they're on like they're like fake date. They're yep. talking about that documentary. Oh. Yeah, it's interesting. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> anyway, he, want, he wanted so he wanted a shot of this, a dude walking on a line with the moon, full moon coming up behind him, and he's like silhouetted in front of this giant moon, like ET. Yes, kind of. When they're riding their bikes, yeah, yeah. It's like a very specific shot that someone. Yeah, said I up. disagree with you. Why? It's not like ET as being that being like cool. Or respectable. I oh, mean, look, come on! Now you're getting into now you're getting into subjective BS, man. No, man. Okay, you you might agree with it because like all the I don't know. Nah, maybe I shouldn't. No, I, go I, for I don't it. Sound no, like no, I'm I want to hear you. I want to hear you insult Seth. I'll knock that headset right off your head. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want. But I don't want it to sound like I'm insulting anybody's work because, like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's. let's I just let's like open. It's a, safe, I just, it's a safe space. I just find more value in. Like spontaneous. Well, that's mm. what, that, work. that's why you do what you do. You're mm. like a well, yeah, but but documentarian, but, street photographer. But type. like narrative films, the cinematography, I'm like, okay, that's fucking rad. But if somebody sets up a photo, I'm like, that's not that cool. But if somebody sets up, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Go ahead. Seth. I know what you mean. <laughs> no, I, I. It's like there's so many amazing photographers that don't have an idea. Like they just have an idea of what they want, and they go and. You know, they have like a, totally. a place and an idea that they're pursuing, and, that's, and then they that's, have to represent that idea in the photo. That's when you get photos that are like, you look at them, you're like, how the fuck did that guy get that? Yeah. It's because he was at right place, right time. Didn't, probably didn't have he didn't that have like specific the, that, photo yes, in mind. Yeah. He just happened to, you know, like I said, right place, right time. Yeah. Snap I the like photo. that a lot. Because there's just, I like yeah. that too. Uh, this is great. Um, this, I feel like I'm back in college. This, this, is, a, <laughs> this is a different podcast called yeah, man, Photographers. Dog in here. But I know I do. I, for Chris, <laughs> I got a room full of photographers. I appreciate what you're saying. Uh-huh. You like spontaneity. You like... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Seth likes uh, planning. Are we going to have to fight to the death? No, no. But go no, on, Seth. I, I wouldn't say that I like planning more than... I just respect it. Like yeah, someone okay. has a vision. It's really hard to get that photo. It's not easy. Yeah. And they go and make it happen. That's a good point. I thought you were going to say you respected the guy because of all the work he did to get the information. No, he does. You know? I mean, it was oh, a lot I respect, of work. I, I mean, respect that, took that some, too. That yeah. took some, took some just work. work. Oh, seven months inside. right in the government. You, here's my forth? question to you, Steve. Do you, do you now want to recant what you said or do you want to stand by it? I'd have to revisit what I said. About, you know, <laughs> about the people that did this. Well, just like a blanket outrage. I mean, you, you can't, I mean, that guy seemed to be doing it the right way. I'll say this. You can make a declaration that it's not black and white. Listen, no, I'll say this. I I love this guy, okay? I like that he wrote in. I like the thoroughness of his explanation. 
I like things where what people think things are one way and it winds up being another way. Mm-hmm. I like the whole story. All that being said, okay, all that being said, if I was king of the world, king of the universe, one of the things I would do in my first 100 days in office is I would say that states do not need to release, um, do not need Wildlife to release for, in, for, in, for whatever. They don't need to release uh, that kind of information in that way. Well, isn't there all kind of other stuff that the government does that we would have no possible way of getting information? Yeah, like if I, mean, I wrote in and do... said, I would like to meet these aliens that you have down there in Nevada. They're not going to let me meet those aliens. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's plenty a... of stuff that's held super tight and we're all okay freedom, with that. Freedom of yeah. Information Act, super It's like, where's, useful, where's SEAL Team 6 tool. working right now? Mm-hmm. They're not going to tell you. No, but, but it, not present time, but at yeah. some period, they'll declassify. At some period. At some, so, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I feel like we've been talking about this way too long. I on. like the Arizona thing. I like the Arizona thing. They don't have to give it away. The aliens thing in Arizona? No, 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 no. The fact that in Arizona, they don't need to, re, that they don't need to issue GPS tracking data. Uh, or the state has the ability, without it being too onerous, to like issue a version to issue a version and that it wouldn't be like some super reliable thing. And and I'm like a slippery slope kind of guy. I believe in slippery slopes. And you could imagine some situation where someone would go and get uh where someone would go get like very specific data about a specific animal and they give it over to them and it gives everybody it gives hunters a black eye. Right? some famous moose and he's on National Geographic and do whatever then all of a sudden some yeah, oil, some point. oil tycoon shoots the thing the data gets that's out all. that's all alright if you've learned anything after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, it's this. There's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month, when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, no way, can't be true. But there isn't a catch. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash eater. That's mintmobile.com slash eater. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash eater. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Make life insurance part of your financial planning this year. Start shopping now with Policy Genius to find the right policy to protect your family. Getting life insurance today means you'll have peace of mind so that if something were to happen to you, your family can cover expenses while getting back on their feet. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year 
for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. They work for you, not the insurance companies. That means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another so you can trust their guidance. No wonder they have thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Hey, I'm kind of an afternoon hydrator. Like, you know, I wake up in the morning and drink a bunch of coffee. Then later in the day, I'm like, man, I got to hydrate. And then uh, I'll see some liquid IV and then I'll drink a whole bunch because I like it a lot. It helps me stay hydrated because it motivates me to do it. Now, it doesn't matter if you like hydrate to live or live to hydrate. Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. It's got three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks and no artificial sweeteners, plus zero sugar in the sugar-free version. However you hydrate, grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use our code MEATEATER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code MEATEATER at liquidiv.com. I spend a lot of time outside, and I spend a lot of time hydrating with Liquid IV because, like I said, I love it, and it makes me drink like I know I should. It makes me feel great. Check it out, liquidiv.com. Jesse, tell people, well, Seth, tell people. <laughs> it's got skipped. No, nope, man. Jesse, would you tell <laughs> No, no. No, I want to hear Seth's uh, his, his perspective on it first. Maybe I'll pass it to Jesse. What's the question? Well, no, I want <laughs> Jesse, to, we're talking about yet. Jesse to tell people about his, his special thing he's cooking. Like literally right now with the throw. What's what I got cooking or metaphorically what's cooking? No, no, not, no. But I want to first have yeah okay. Explain the the dish you're making where you take the the you know the flank, basically the, the leather. You take the leather off the outside of a rib cage of a deer of, yeah. of deer's rib cage. Yeah, basically everything south of the loin, the back strap from the from the ribs all the way down to the belly, the sternum take that off in one big rectangular piece you can either stuff it with oh, no, no 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 you're not getting to the nearly the level of detail i'm looking for oh oh okay All tell right. us tell us where it starts where it ends east and west you got a skinned out starts, deer. north and south you got a skinned out deer it's hanging uh hind legs up um or let's no let's put it on the table it's it's horizontal uh we're going to take the the front legs off right at the shoulder blade and that's basically exposing that whole side. And when the, you say that, you mean because I I got scolded for doing this wrong. Oh yeah, the when don't you, don't cut through the cartilage of the shoulder blades. Yeah, like like when you strip it, when you take the front leg off. Yeah. When you're doing your butcher and you take the front leg off, you're cutting clean to the bone on the inside of the leg. Yeah. Anything on the out the outside of the leg stays with the shoulder. The inside of the leg is clean right clean to the bone so yeah. all that meat that lies under his armpit right you want to leave that on there. stays on the carcass yeah okay yeah and then about probably four five six ribs back 
you know, you don't have to get too scientific about it. Kind of draw a big rectangle, go all the way down to the, the hams where the, the kind of that flat meat is past the ribs. And you take that all off in one piece by running your knife real clean against those ribs and try not to get any holes. If there's holes, it doesn't really yeah, matter. Yeah, you're, like you're like flaying it, flaying the meat off. Yeah. And on a smaller dough or something, it could get real tricky because you're not going to have a lot of meat to work with. It could be half an inch thick there, but you just take your time and you get that whole piece off. And it's a rough rectangle, maybe a parallelogram. And then you. Well, I mean, you say a half inch, that's just not a quarter inch thick in places. Yeah, it can be thin. So, but on a bigger, bigger buck, yeah. like say the one that Clay shot, <laughs> um, it, 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 it's a little bit easier. It's a good throw to Clay. Yeah. Um, for listeners at home they just almost fist bumped <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh but i think our, our both of our collective wingstands are just short of three, well, three I, feet I, I, I wasn't gonna commit fully to it uh, i didn't want to distract you yeah uh so yeah and then you, you take that and you can you roll it up from top to bottom bottom to top and you got the grain running horizontally through there so you can stuff it you know, like there's a recipe in my first book where we stuff it with sausage and uh, breadcrumbs and egg, make a little stuffing out of that and roll it, and then you you cook the hell out of that. Oh, I'm mean, back up, back up, sir. You got a meat sheet, a meat sheet that's like cardboard thick at the thinnest. Yeah. And and yay, what dimensions? Eighteen inches. 18 by 12. 18 by 12 meat sheet. Yeah. Of stuff that people would normally feed to the coyotes. Sure. Not normally. Many would feed it to the coyotes. Yeah. But you got a meat sheet, 12 by 18. You then lay that out flat and get specific with what I watched you do. Yeah, well, you're going to make your, I mean, what we did, what we got cooking right now, uh, we, we put some bacon down. Put some mustard down. We put some pickled jalapenos and some onions. So basically, that's a kind of a takeoff of German roulade, where they would be the same thing, but instead of pickled jalapenos, it would just be like a gherkin or a cornichon, yeah, or, okay, or, or dill you. pickle. That's a good idea, man. Yeah, they put some sauerkraut in there. You can do that. Yeah. I mean, don't. I mean, this is this. You got to thank Germany for that one. It was not me, but it's it's delicious and it works with as you know, as I'm sure you know, many different animals. And then you just roll that up. Uh, like, like a said, little piece of firewood. Yeah, into a, into a log and then tie it off. You know, use some kitchen twine, go in and just tie it every two or three inches. Yeah, it winds up being a roll the size of a nice walleye. It looks like a backstrap. Yep. Yeah. That's good. It's rolled it. up. It looks like a backstrap. Yeah, it looks like a backstrap. Yeah, the nice walleye metaphor is probably lost on us. Nice backstrap. So, nice backstrap. With little chunks of jalapeno and now, falling this out. may be too difficult to explain, you know, just with audio, but he spaced out his ingredients in a specific way so that when it rolled, it the ingredients fell in the right place. I mm-hmm. noticed that. Yeah, like they you, were just, yeah, they were they're kind of in like a mound. Like you didn't you of, didn't spread it across mound, like yeah. a pizza. It wasn't like yeah. a pizza topping that was spread all the way across. Right. You had two rows. Yeah, that's that right. Separated. And and remember how he, he did it wrong and then changed his mind and did it right? Yeah. Yep. And any any rolls. The the longest part is is where the roll you roll it. Well, you roll it from the twelve inch part. Help me here. Yeah, yeah. You roll it from from top to bottom. The eighteen inch wide. So the thing yeah. ends up being eighteen inches long. Yeah. Yep. So at this point, folks, 
Jesse has taken a knife and he has flayed away all of the meat that sits outside of the ribs, plus flank and plus up into the shoulder a little bit and made a meat sheet. Then he rubbed mustard. No, he put salt. He laid it out flat, put salt. He put pepper. He put on a glove and rubbed mustard all over some bitch. He put down bacon strips. He put down pickled jalapenos. He picked, put down onions. Raw onions. Raw onions. Then rolled it up into a little backstrap shape like a giant Twinkie. <laughs> uh, would that be a jelly roll? A giant jelly roll. And then tied it using that special little tie-off, rose tie-off knot. And then there it is. And we held it up, commented on how it seemed like a fish. or a, You held it a lot. I picked it up four <laughs> times. Multiple times. I, I would set it down and go back and pick it up again. I liked it so much. Yeah. yeah. Has a nice weight. Yeah. Threatened yeah. to slap Clay with it. Talked about yeah. slap yeah. Clay with it. Yeah. Meat slap. Giving him a meat slap. Yeah. Um, okay, and then, then you're going to do what? Uh, we, we took a big Dutch oven and got it hot, and we browned it off on all sides. And then just threw some onions in there. You threw that really good tallow in there too. Oh, right? the tallow, yeah. Tallow. So oh, yeah, yeah. So you... some beef fat, yeah, yeah. You could definitely use bear fat for that. Yes. <laughs> and and browned it off real well. Then threw some onions in there, and then I just covered it with stock. And uh, I put a little can of tomato in there too. Mm-hmm. And that's just sitting out there simmering on the fire. Probably needs to cook for about six hours. That's key. You don't want to undercook that thing. Because it'll get nice and tender. And the beauty of the the grain runs horizontally on it so that when you come in and you cut the string off of it and go and just cut it like you would logically, you're cutting it against the grain. And so it should be super tender. Uh, does it stay together and look like a little cinnamon roll? It'll stay together a little bit. Now, if you follow the recipe that I have in my book where you make the stuffing out of sausage and breadcrumbs and eggs, it stays together real well because that egg and, and the protein and the sausage really binds it and you get this yeah. kind of roll situation. And so it's a little, and it's bigger because you're putting way more bulk in there, but I kind of want to just, you know, play with it a little bit and just try some different stuff out with it. Like it's, this is less stuffing. So it's you can a lot this meatier. You crock pot too, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a huge like fan. Home. Don't get me started on crock pots. I love them. You know what we were into for a long time, a long time ago? Meat sheets? No. <laughs> uh, we were into, I was telling you about this thing I bought. I have one of those funnels, and then you get the mesh net. Oh, yeah. Like, imagine, the, I don't know if they still do this, but like, now and then when I was a kid, my mom would bring home, like, a pot roast from the grocery store that would be in a net. It'd be like an inexpensive cut of meat in a elasticy net. I bought a huge roll of that net on SausageMaker.com and I bought the funnel. And the funnel, cha- it, it, it's like it, cha- you, it, it changes shape to accommodate whatever you shove through it. You stick the mesh net over the end of the funnel and then you cram whatever meat you got or like a, let's say you make a pheasant. You want to brine and smoke a pheasant. You take the pheasant, legs and wings and shit sticking out every direction, right? And shove it down through that funnel. And then he pops into that stretchy net. And then he's just all trussed up really pretty. It's like uh, when you when you wrap up a Christmas tree. 
Exactly. It's exactly like bringing a Christmas tree home. Good job, Seth. I've never had a net on a Christmas tree. Clay just fist bump Seth. <laughs> giving them out. They didn't do that for Garrett, where Garrett lived growing up. They definitely didn't. It's a thing, no. It's up. helps you, helps yeah, you get the tree In cities, home. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So exactly like a Christmas tree. It's very nice. I don't know why I got away from it. I still keep, I still have the thing in my meat closet. Uh, what but, good does it do? Like it just freezes it like in this nice tight shape? It's, it's just, it trusses everything. But can you cook it in that net? Oh, yeah. Okay, so you cook it in the net. What's so, the net made of? I don't know. It's it's cotton, but there's something in it that gives it an elastic quality okay. too. Okay, it's food grade. You don't know what I'm talking about, Jesse? I'm not how am used I telling very you? Much. How am I telling you about a thing you don't know about? Well, easily. Okay. So, uh, yeah, but I feel like with like food stuff, like based on your career, you do like you're always like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like I don't. I feel like I mean we can't go too far into it, but there's like this. There's there's geographic differences in 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 meat cookery. Like in the, in the north, there's like a lot more. You're really focused on the roasts, uh, and like like eye rounds. And How stuff is like it a that. roast when I say a smoked duck or a smoked pheasant? Well, you were you were saying that originally, like you would get roasts. From I haven't told you that story yet, so I'll tell you now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we would we were into this. We would take a bear ham. Okay, and cut the bear off, cut the ham off at the ball joint, and cut the bear's ham off at the knee. Then open it up on the inside of the leg and cleanly remove the femur. Okay? Then brine it. Okay? Then you want to put it back. Now it's like laid out like a big thick book, right? Dry it off, brine it, rinse it, dry it. Then, this is what this is the part I'm asking about. We would take gelatin, just regular old gelatin, powdered gelatin, and sprinkle powdered gelatin all over the inside of that ham. Meat glue. Then roll it up and shove it through the funnel into the mesh. Okay. Then smoke it. Once you got done smoking it and it cooled, you could remove the mesh, and you had a football that was a boneless, smoked bear ham that you could slice, and it would mostly be glued together. Yeah. Mm. You know about that? I do now. <laughs> I mean, that sounds effective. You like it? But also, or do you kind have of made my geographic point. I feel like he's point. asking for like applause after that. Story. <laughs> yeah. like, good job, man. Fist bump. Real innovative. That sounds really innovative. <laughs> no, we didn't come up with this. No, it makes it makes. You buy all the parts sense. at sausagemaker.com. Yeah, why that's a URL right there, man. I wish. Yeah. Why won't you use other foods, um, like Jesse did in the meat slapper sheet with the bear roast? Why would you use that that gel stuff? Gelatin. Yeah, that was only to okay. Because here's the problem: you'd open it up. What are you doing? Just fiddling with the photo. <laughs> He's, you'd, o- <laughs> you'd open it up. And um, see, it threw me off. I'm like, I look over. He's not even like remotely he engaged. He he he's not even remotely engaged. What I'm talking what about. You said, and he's here. <laughs> you should have said. You should have said. I'm looking up sausagebaker.com yeah. or whatever. He doesn't have a headset. It's like a, <laughs> what's what a fellow supposed to do? It's like throws me off, man. 
If I can't even hold the attention of people that are sitting, friends of mine that are sitting in the same room, my God. So anyways, he um, flustered. He opens it up. Yeah, opens it up. And what normally when you do this, if you make a boneless smoked, if you want to make a boneless smoked wild game ham, when you slice it, it just falls back apart again. Mm-hmm. And this was a way to try to get it to hold together. What do you think when I tell you that? That's it. Sounds great. You don't judge it. Why? What would I? What part would I judge? It's effective and delicious. Know. And I mean, you think it's cheating to use the gelatin? I'm what? asking. I'm asking you as a professional. You said chef. I was cheating when I used bacon. No, I didn't say that. I asked you what your feeling was about. Uh, okay, as a professional chef. Mm-hmm. And a wild game enthusiast. Mm-hmm. And I'll point out, I've said this before. I think that you like, um, you're my favorite wild game chef. Oh, thank you. Jesse Griffith. Thank you. Uh, I was surprised to see you put bacon on because um, people went down like a, a wild game bacon black sure. hole. Or maybe it's used as a crutch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like wrapped the tenderloin in bacon. Like, like, everything right. like bacon this, bacon that, sure. bacon this, bacon that. But how much better would it be for Jesse Griffiths to make something with bacon? Well, that made it, that made it, that in my I mean, mind. That's like it, holding them to like a super high standard. That made it cool again. It's like. Yeah. Or you can think about it, like how much has bacon allowed people to enjoy their game more? Hmm. You know, I mean, it's even if it that's is. That's generous. It, well, I mean. It's baby steps. I think that collectively people have come a long way as far as eating game. And if, if they got started by wrapping it in bacon and they're graduating to beyond bacon, then that's great. Mm-hmm. But maybe they had to start there. You know, they need that bacon to kind of sand out that hard edge of, of the gamey flavors or whatever it was that they found slightly distasteful about game. Or at least make it have a, like a, 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 a flavor, a recognizable flavor. You know something they're comfortable with. So, yeah. I mean, I think you know bacon. Bacon's an, an enabler, a gateway flavor. So good, yeah, I like that. I, I forgot to add um, that in your thing. Did I talk about you put down bacon in mm-hmm. the roulade? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We should call, we should tell people the name of this. It's a roulade. Yeah, rouladen. Rouladen. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah, similar to it. Like Kinda Bin like Laden a, with roux. Yeah, yeah. It's like a South Texas roulade. Um. Okay, then I asked you about that. Then I told you about the gelatin thing. Yeah. We didn't... weren't sure where you were going with the bear ham thing. I just wanted his input. Okay. Approval. If, if this is like, <laughs> yeah, like approval or like that's stupid or maybe it'd be like. No, it's not stupid. I'm or not maybe, gonna, maybe no. it'd be like, here's a better way to do it or or I'm going to do that tomorrow. I, I, I love that idea because, I mean, a boneless ham too. And just, yeah, and in, in going in and being able to put it on a meat slicer and just get those beautiful slices that don't fall apart. There's a lot of merit to that. Absolutely. You know, the bacon idea. thing, I, I think uh, I think what you said, I get what you said about it being kind of a crutch, but I mean, it's kind of like... I didn't say that. He said he that. He said, okay. It's kind of like hating LeBron James because he's so awesome. I know you <laughs> won't get that, but everyone else will. LeBron James is the best basketball player like right now in the NBA, arguably one of the best ever. And... People don't like him just for that. That is bacon. For being good. That is the wild that is the bacon of wild game. <laughs> yeah. You know what I heard about LeBron you? LeBron James. I heard about you, Clay. <laughs> What's that? Someone told me that I don't know the layout of your house or yard or whatever. 
But someone told me that between your house and something is archery targets and a basketball hoop. And someone said, if they ain't shooting arrows, they're shooting baskets. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, man. That is right. I've got one son that's got a tree stand set up like behind the basketball goal. And I've got one son that is like eating up with bow hunting right now. Like he's probably bow hunting as we speak. And my other son is uh, a really elite basketball player for his age. Gotcha. And he is, he is methodical. He is dedicated. He is disciplined. If they ain't, he's shoot, a hooper, if they ain't shooting arrows or shooting baskets. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, okay, Seth, tell everybody about um, tell everybody about your first pick. Um, and our magical sit at the water hole. I didn't know that was his first pick. Yeah, first wherein pick. I got mauled by a variety of tick species. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. It's it seems it's it's pretty obvious that the pigs like the water around here. Yeah. Every water and hole you go to is all rooted up. Should we tell people where we are? No one even knows where we are. Please, yet. we are. I can say the ranch, can I? Can you, they, they don't care. Go for it. We're uh, we're in South Texas, deep South Texas. Um, deep in the heart. Hard to go further further south. Twelve miles from the coast, right? Yeah, we're we close, are. We're close to the coast. west of the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. We're so far West. south that the Gulf of Mexico is east of here. Yeah. Yeah. That's how damn far south. Yeah. yeah. Um we're at we're on the Yatura. Hacienda Yatura. I think it's Correct. more of a Ituria. 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 Machete. Ituria. <laughs> um yeah, it's one of it's one of the greatest places ever, I think. It's awesome. Um but anyway, and there's a variety of Eterias. This is like a portion of it. Yeah, it was. It used to be one big ranch, mm-hmm. right? And it just got split up yeah. over time. Founded in 1858. Yeah, they registered their cattle brand in the 1850s. Yeah, 300 years ago. 300 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different this, story. Seth's doing a great job. Great job. Well, I don't know if Chris is going to come in and Chris is going to come and try to naysay this, down. but this I'm like setting a. I like a story that has a like a like. This is a re- great setup. Yeah, this is for good. people with with who aren't afflicted by a short attention span. <laughs> you give him a lot of praise, and he's not done yet. I'm no, gonna start praising like when he's done. I like the setup. I feel like I'm li- reading a Russian novelist right now. Go on, Seth. I'm, um, riv- I'm riveted. So Steve and I set out yesterday afternoon to go look for a pig, and we. Um, stop this spot that it's like a flooded. I don't know if you can call it a pond. There's like grass growing in it. It's kind of like a pond, just like a flooded area. Yeah, three dozen uh, teal in it. Yeah, bunch of teal. Um, killdeer running around, javelina. Anyway, so we we go in there to check this spot, and um, tell everybody about the menagerie of wildlife that showed up. She, I was gonna, I was gonna work that in as I tell the story. Yeah. <laughs> threw him off. Huh? Yeah, you can't, was, I, you can't micromanage that story. No, dude, I'm here. sorry. I'm just, I'm just gonna shut up. <laughs> so while we set out for a pig, Clay set out for a uh, uh, cow Neil guy. Try to kill him with the bow. No sooner do we get to our our little pond and we see a cow Neil guy, so we 
told Clay about that. They came and checked that out. Ended up not working. Not working out. But um, they as soon as they left, we we had been sitting at the pond for a little bit, just glassing, seeing what's coming in. Um, are you? Are you, I don't want to. I know you're doing a great job, <laughs> and you're going to get to all this. But you are going to get to my uh, my sixth sense that a pig would show up. Mm. I think I said yeah. something to the effect of, "Let's just sit here and wait." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got a good feeling about it. Yeah, Steve had a great feeling about the spot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Clay and Dirt left, and we um, we just get up to move locations around this pond because Steve had such a good feeling about it. We were going to stay there, <laughs> and uh, almost like a premonition, <laughs> <laughs> we stand up to move our move our location, and I don't know. We made it fifty yards. And I look up, and there's a pig standing out in the water. And like Yanni's dad conjured him. Yeah. <laughs> and this is early like afternoon. We are, like it's not even like evening. It's, it's like early afternoon. Early afternoon. We are staring at this pigless pond. We turn away from the pond, look back at the pond, <laughs> and there's a pig. In it. In it. In he it. got in there quick. <laughs> yeah. And Evaded uh, Steve's master radar. Seth spotted it. Yeah. And just, yeah, just set up on it. Made a poor shot and then made a good shot. Pig died. Mm-hmm. And uh, we took it back took it back to the Can-Am, gutted it, and then sat there the remainder of the evening because Steve still at that point felt it was a great spot to sit. So y'all sat there the whole rest of the night? Until it got dark. Yeah. Hey, I know Steve thinks you're doing a great job in this story. Well, I he's not too. because he I didn't, do too. There's, two, there's a number of things he didn't tell. Well, there's a bigger. Well, I, there's I didn't a get to the rest thing. of the evening. Oh, okay. I want to know how you feel about this. Were you Were you happy? Did I could tell he was happy. Pig? Oh, I, mean, I, was, I couldn't tell from the story though. No, he's not an effusive man. I was very happy. Not an effusive man. <laughs> not an effusive man. I feel sorry for his girlfriend. <laughs> Not an affectionate, effusive man. About so you were no. pumped. This is your this is your first talk. This oh is yeah, Seth, this is Seth being you fired up. <laughs> I was stoked. <laughs> I was great. Did it hey, die it was a water? nice boar too. No, it made it out. Had it was out of the team, water. Had nice color. It was a nice boar. You know yeah, what they? Big. I'll, I'll tell you. I know he's not done, but I'm going to tell you an interesting detail about uh, Seth and checking out the scene. I don't know why, but for some reason along half of this pond, there's like an old bit of hog wire fence. Like maybe at some point they want, I, I don't get it. It just, it's kind of like a dead end run down hunk of fence. Didn't really make sense to me with like what? Six inch square. Yeah. It's like, it's woven wire, but like it, I don't know. At, at some point it serves some purpose. It's like sheep fence. Yeah. Like I think maybe to keep, I don't know. We'd call it hog wire fence. Yeah. You're probably going to want to clarify how tall that fence was, though, since you're in Texas. <laughs> yeah, it was oh. just a cattle fence. It was, it was like a Neil guy four could foot tall. Damn near step over. Well, we everything was coming over. But but point being, my as I was wondering what this was, I think it's a remnant of, my guess is a remnant of someone uh, when this water hole is super dry, maybe someone at one point in time wanted to keep stuff out of it. I don't know. Hmm, I have no idea. Anyhow. Seth goes over there and finds where there's a big hole in it. And you can come from one direction, but you can't, like, there's a fence blocking 
not doing a good job explaining this. There's a fence sort of like cutting across like a third of this pond for some reason that isn't there anymore. Um, and Seth found a hole in it. And he's like, oh, that boar came through this hole. But when he hit the boar and it ran, he forgot about his hole. Yeah. Oh, and just bam! He tried, he tried getting through the fence, but not where the hole was. Not where the hole was. Mm. Off from the hole. Yeah. Mm. And now I think about that we couldn't see that hole from where we were first set up. No. Because I remember glassing that fence. I never saw a hole. And that pig was probably, while we were staying there watching the pond, he was probably making his way through that hole, but there was just enough yep. stuff to where we couldn't see him. All overgrown with brush and whatnot. But it was weird. Yeah. He, when he got hit, he just bam into that fence mm. and then died like right there. Um. Whoa. So we get the pig gutted, and then we haven't even got to the good part. Continue our oh, the good part. <laughs> oh, this is the coolest. Yeah, this yeah. is the cool part. Um, we we go back to the pond and set up for the evening, and we're sitting there, and all sorts of birds, ducks, a nice white-tailed buck comes out, mm-hmm. and then um, some javelina show up, and they're. I don't know, when we first see them, they're probably 70 yards away or so, slowly feeding towards us, and uh, just slowly making their way towards us, and this one decides that like he wants to feed basically right where we are, and at one point it was, I don't know, four feet, five feet from the end of my boot. So you could hear him going... Yeah. <laughs> wow. Even I took a video. Like I took a video, his lips. I took a video of him, and you can hear him doing that on the video. Hey, will you put that thing on your Instagram? Yeah. Okay. So at what is it again? Signs at si- signs underscore west. You should just do something more simple. I've looked into it. There's just oh. like not okay. too many simple options available. Don't let him at, bully you about your Instagram handle. Yeah. Sackalate. Oh yeah. Sackalate. He's been there. At at signs. Signs underscore West. You will find the Havelina we're talking about going. I'll put it on one of my highlights. Yeah. All the Texas highlight. The, the best thing is Seth now, gets back last night and he just starts talking about the Havelina, how much he loves them. Oh, the I best think they're one of the coolest what, animals ever. The best thing is cool. what he's smacking his lips. So, about. <laughs> yeah, as he's feeding towards us, he like eats something, walks a few steps, eats something, walks a few steps. And we observed him eating turkey shits. <laughs> <laughs> he is. In the video, you'll see. You can see like a big white turkey shit. And I'm like, what is he doing? I was like, what is he eating? Because he's just like, love, just luxuriating like. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. Cleaning yeah. it up, man. <laughs> and eventually, like Seth in his video, you'll see this white, like clear as day, like a white turkey shit. And he just walks over and he's like. <laughs> yep. Just. We watched him eat probably five or six piles of turkey shit right in front of us. Yeah, it's just like that's his. That's the good stuff. Yeah. Then I, then I was thinking. I told Steve, I was like, if you're a turkey hunter looking for sign in an area where there's javelina, you might have trouble. Yeah, they're clean. They're just yeah. That's right. (laughs) Seth said he's ruining all the turkey sign. Yeah. 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 Uh, No, that was fun. And and I was gonna say to you at one point when he was like right off the toe of your boot because he didn't like. I don't know. We weren't moving, so he didn't. But even when they got downwind from us, they, he, whatever. I just These think, javelinas, you say, aren't that normal. I, I've they're seen pretty, them be like. usually really wary, but these aren't. As I much. mean, I've never seen a javelina that you couldn't like 
put a little effort into creeping up on somewhere or another, you know, because their vision's not great. But these are yeah. like especially just like nonchalant. Yeah. Oh yeah, Jesse's. When you got yours, that was two seven two hundred seventy five uh, yards. Oh yeah, at a run. Never mind. At a run. Not mm. related at all. Very well, different. Very different javelina. Well, we were, holding, javelina. we were holding tight. We were holding like dead nuts still. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I real I shot that javelina and then realized pretty quickly that uh, I could have gotten a lot closer. Oh, I got you. Yeah, they they were uh, they, they were pretty ambivalent to our presence, even after one had been removed. Got you. Yeah. Uh, interesting thing here too that I found is interesting is that the javelina, which are native species. And the pigs don't, uh, they intermingle. Yeah. I, and honestly, I'd never seen that until yesterday um, when we were, you know, you had just shot a pig and a couple more started running. And we, and I'm glad that we were able to identify because one of those was a javelina. Yeah. Off a javelina and two piglets. So yeah, they were, they were cruising together. Yeah. When I shot my pig, there was javelina there too. Yeah. But I mean, that might have been just happenstance. Because, I mean, that's a big boar. I, I mean, I don't know why they'd kind of... No, he just happened to show up, yeah. but was yeah. they're not adversarial to each other. Yeah, yeah. Much, I mean, like, pigs and deer don't really congregate together. They, pigs usually run the deer off um, if there's, like, a food source there. But I imagine the javelinas and the pigs maybe tolerate each other. Pigs run whitetails off? They will, yes. Yeah, usually. Like there, was a, there was three deer with the pig I saw yesterday afternoon. And when the pig came in, the deer became alert and then just moseyed away. And the pig went right where the deer were. Just kind of pushed them out. Man, I've had a Helix sleep mattress for years. And man, that thing is nice. The Helix lineup, just comfortable. It feels good. And you don't get all like... It's not all like hot and sticky in the summertime. It's not cold in the winter. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash eater and use code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Meal prepping and thinking about what's for dinner all the time can be a real stressor. Well, using ButcherBox helps relieve that stress. With ButcherBox, you're always prepared with good quality meat in the freezer. It's the ultimate convenience with custom curated boxes shipped right to your door with free shipping, which means fewer trips to the grocery store. It's hard to find the same value at the store because 
What store can you go to where you're going to get free protein for a whole year alongside your order? Plus, they have a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing value with exclusive member deals, and they make it even easier on you with recipe inspiration, guides, tips, and hacks. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of weeknight meal essentials. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, you get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash meateater and use code meateater to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Hey, everybody, I'm talking here about Montana Knife Company from our very own state of Montana. This company was founded by one of the most experienced master bladesmiths in the world, Josh Smith, who over recent months I've become friends with. And my God, have I learned a lot about knives from this guy. Just a phenomenal hometown company that makes world-renowned knives. Josh has been making knives for 30 years. You get one of these knives up and open it, it is sharp like something that came from outer space. And here's the deal. They make knives that can be sharpened. You can work on these knives. If you don't want to work on them, you send it to them and they'll work on it. They'll get it sharp. Phenomenal hunting knives. If you want to see them in action, we just did, uh, me and uh, John Hayes, the taxidermist, just did a video about how to properly skin a black bear. Um, Watch that video, and in that video, you'll see Montana Knife Company knives in action. MKC products usually sell out in minutes of being released, which is true. But now, for the first time, they're dabbling with having knives in stock on their site. So right now, you can grab yourself a Blackfoot 2.0 or the Ultralight Speed Goat. Use code MEATEATER, and you get 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company. Working knives for working people. 10% off with the code MEATEATER. That's a good deal. Clay, the next thing I'd like to cover is, can you tell people the story of when you were a kid? It's a great story. Yeah. Yeah, I can. Please. I was, uh, man, I always get nervous when I get on the spot for telling a story. But I was with my cousin. We were hunting on public land in Arkansas. And we uh, we found an acorn tree that had a bunch of hogs on and I told my cousin, I said, let's put up, let's put up two tree stands and let's uh, put up two tree stands. Let's try to kill two hogs at the same time. And uh, we did. And two hogs came in. And the deal was, is that he was going to shoot. I was going to shoot a big boar if one came in. That was my deal with him. I said, if one comes in, I'm shooting a big boar. Because he, 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 he didn't have any skin in the game, you know. He was just the invited guest. You found the oak tree. Well, and I was trying to, my goal was to kill a big hog. And so we found this white oak, public land in Arkansas. Found a white oak, dropping acorns, pig sign, hang two tree stands in the dark, set in the stand. 30 minutes after daylight, a very nice tusked boar comes in. You can see his white tusks, a sow, and seven shoats about as, you know, let's just say they were of you know, decent size. Okay? Can you dwell on uh, chotes for a minute? Shotes. <laughs> a shote a is just a young hog. How have I never heard that word till now? 
I don't know. I'm from the north, probably. We don't have any wild piglet. Pigs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could say piglet, but shoat. a shoat, shoat. Spell it for me. S H O U T. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Shoat. Yeah, S H O A T. Shoat. Not S H O A T. Shoat. Shoat. So a really nice boar every day. Really nice boar, Sal, and seven shoats come in. And uh, we've, we'd, we've done this a couple why, of times. Was that coincidental? Or yeah. Why, why would the boar I, be with the sow? That was, I've, I don't see that real common. She's probably in heat. Oh. Yeah, she, those shoats were probably yeah. of, of size to about to be weaned, you know. And so the boar comes in, and what you do when you're trying to get a double on a bow kill, it's real interesting because we needed both hogs to be turned just right at the same time. So we both draw, and, you know, he would go, my hog's good. And I would go, wait, 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 wait. Clay, like, can I interrupt for a sec? How, right, how far apart are these two stands? Oh, we're, in, we're side by side. Oh, okay. Lock I, I thought you were in like, side by side. Siamese stands. I mean, we're just man. like yeah. Yeah, yeah. side by okay. side. And so, you know, his pig would turn. Can I, can I, uh, the old double up, the old double up often leads to no one getting nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. Fine. Yeah. Am I found? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and so the pig, you know, we, we went back and forth probably three or four times and finally both of them turned just right and so whack, we, we we knew what we we're gonna do we we're gonna shoot on three you know one two shoot you know uh, a guy wrote in um a, a military sniper wrote in and they have like a thing they do like you're going like um like i say red no if i'm good i go green okay i go green you go red if you're no good, and there's a there's a cadence to it, so I go green, you're red, then you go green, and then it's like I go green, red, and then somehow like I go green, I say green, you say green, and then there's a thing, and then it's shoot that in, or in, something to that effect. I can't remember in how it this goes. situation he was suggesting that for these situations. In this situation, that is the weak link of the plan. I mean, you know, you got to have this dialed before this works. But we had it pretty dialed. And so finally they turned just right. And I mean, these pigs are like 10 yards from us. And we're probably 18 feet in the air. Maybe, maybe look, we're probably 15 feet. We both shoot. Whack. I hit the boar right behind the shoulder. I was like 19. And I, I can give some archery intel after this. But I hit this pig right where I'm aiming, right behind the shoulder. My cousin misses, okay? He misses the sow. And, uh, the, you know, my pig does just what you think he'd do. He kind of squalled and just, pew, they take off. Well, directly, you know, we're high-fiving. I'm like, oh, man, I'm sorry you missed. He's like, awesome shot, you know, directly. And, and I, I told the story yesterday and said it was an hour. It may have been 15 minutes. Some period of time extended, and we hear pigs grunting. And so. Make I the go, noise, Seth. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, we hear pigs grunting, and I go, man, there's some pigs coming back in here. And we look up, and it's the sow and the seven shoats coming right back in. Same ones. Sa exact same ones. And so we've already killed, we've already got a big boar that we've got to go track. And my cousin, you know, he, didn't ha he wasn't too worried about it. And I, I said, why don't you just shoot one of those shoats, and you can just take it home and be good eating, shoot one of those shoats. So he rares back. <laughs> <laughs> and shoots that shoat and he hit he, he hits it right in the butt. Okay. 
the pig starts squealing. I mean, just absolute. Tell them how, Seth. Squealing. This is an audio experience. A hog has a <laughs> very, you know, they're. they're oh, that's gr- better. They're, that's <laughs> good. Yeah. Pig I'm starts getting, squealing. I'm carried away now. Pig like, starts squealing. In a in a in all pigs, boar sows have a strong protective mechanism. I mean, like a fight response to protecting their young. So the sow just starts spinning circles around that pig, trying to figure out what's hurting it. You know, uh-huh. and nothing happens. The pig just keeps squealing. Well, finally, I mean, we're you know this is just chaos. You know, and the pig's not going anywhere though. Directly, we hear. I, I hear a noise that I had never heard in my life Tell up until so. that point. Can't mimic that one. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it, was a, it, it wasn't a grunt. I mean, it was an aggressive, just... That's, that's what like I remember. Like Jake breaks going yes. on. Yes. Oh, that's and, like, and I like hear a big something, truck coming down the mountain. I hear something <laughs> crashing up the mountain. And I look up, and there is another big hog. Big teeth, big hair. I mean, just like, holy cow, here he, here comes another one. I grab another arrow, and I said, I'm going to shoot that sucker. He came in and gave the, one of the most awesome displays I've ever seen in the wild, you know, out in the wilderness of, a, of an animal. I mean, he came in to f- kill something. He came in to fight whatever was hurting that show. And he comes in bouncing around looking for whatever it is, and I rear back, and I just put it right where I did on the other one. <laughs> Bam! Nails him, and he doesn't even run off for a second. Like he thinks whatever's got that show's now got me, and he spins circles looking for what's hurting him. And finally, he realizes something's bad wrong, and he <laughs> takes off down the mountain. By this time, the show is is has expired. All the pigs cleared out, and me and my cousin are high fiving. You know, I was like, "Man, I just killed two big boars, ten ringed them." And he's like, man, I got this shoat. I mean, we're excited. We get out of the tree, and I go, man, which one should we track first? Should we track, you know, obviously we track the first one that I shot. So we start blood trailing, good blood from the start, man. Start blood trailing down the mountain, and the the blood trail starts to suspiciously make a a hook and starts kind of going back towards towards the tree stand. And I go, huh. He didn't go where I thought he'd go. And then that blood trail comes right back up to the tree stand. And I shot the same pig twice. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was at 8 o'clock in the morning. That is we crazy. go to blood trailing that hog. He made a second loop and almost went the, the second part of the trail paralleled like that. We jumped that hog alive at 3 o'clock in the afternoon in a pine thicket. I jumped him, and he was probably four yards in front of me. And there was a pool of blood about as big as a teaspoon in his bed. And here's the deal. Here's what you can learn from it. Okay, this was back when mechanical broadheads were just getting started. And me and Dad were using wasp jackhammers. And for whitetails, they were incredible. Incredible. So I was was shooting a 65-pound high country uh, with wasp mechanical broadheads, which is just a bad thing. Tell me why. Well, because these these expandable heads are designed to give, you know, in a in a situation where you're trying to kill an animal with a bow, an expandable broadhead opens when it hits the animal, the blades extend, and it sucks up a lot of the momentum energy of the arrow. So it it it's not it doesn't penetrate as well. You know, two blade broadheads prioritize penetration. 
uh, uh, expandable head prioritizes cutting diameter. And so basically I hit that bore right behind the shield, which Seth and I, we all saw the cartilage shields that these big boars have, which is the way they protect themselves when oh, they're fighting them other in the shield. Oh, just smacked him. I mean, right behind the shoulder. I mean, it would have ten ringed a, a whitetail. And uh, I got, I mean, a fair amount of penetration. I mean, he ran off with arrows sticking out of him, you know. Um, and uh, But that, that shield sucked the wind right out of that broadhead. Yeah, it just didn't get any penetration. And this is a big hog. This is a... At least a 250-pound hog, Jeez. this one. Now, and I had the exact same thing happen on a much, much bigger hog when I was 17. Did you recover that hog? No. Never I had. learned real quick. A three, I had three incidences with mechanical heads, and then all of a sudden we were like, oh, you can't shoot those with hogs. So, Well, last night, Clay uh, was sitting there waiting, yeah. and a pig came to a water hole. And he went up and deliberately shot it back behind the shield. Yeah. Well, so. And we went after dark and found that thing dead, I don't know, 50 yards. Yeah. You know, somebody asked me today, and I'll, I'll, to be honest with you, I don't know the answer to it. Why did that pig die so quick? All I know is that, well, the story was, is that this pig came into a water hole. We were hunting some Nilga. We had Nilga on the pond that we were hunting. While the Neil guy were there, they were out of range, and the Neil guy are extremely spooky, wary critters. And uh, a pig came walking down to the pond in between us and the Neil guy. We decided to do a soft spook on the Neil guy because to, to try to go stalk this pig because the Neil guy I wasn't going to kill. I just didn't think we'd get to him. We were losing a lot. So, yeah, it was getting dark quick. And so I took my hat off and just kind of waved it like this, and those Neil guy. <laughs> you know, saw us, and then we just kind of started moving away from the Neil guy, and they just kind of trotted off. And then we turned and went just right to this pig, and he was just in the perfect spot to be stalked. I got to within probably 14 yards of the pig. His his butt was facing me. The wind is in my face. And, I mean, I pretty much just walked up to this thing. Uh, got within 14 yards of it on the ground. It turns broadside, perfectly broadside. And... Uh, I aimed back at least a foot from the shoulder and just put it right through. I mean, it was, I would have thought it got liver, but I'm not even sure that it did. But the, I mean, how far did the pig run, Steve? Uh, he went 50 yards, was deader and dead. Yeah. Yeah. So what killed that pig? I'm not entirely sure. I mean, the, it, cause it, I mean, the, the, from the diaphragm forward with lungs, heart wasn't even touched. Mm -hmm. but he went down quick and he didn't bleed a drop. I mean, he didn't even have that much blood in his cavity when we gutted him. Kind of a mystery, but. Did you guys ever figure what killed your big buck so quick? Is Was there like a theory? Well, now that, that one's easier. We can get it. We can, okay, we can yeah, talk about that if you want to, Steve. But I mean, that was just a cavity shot. I mean, like if you're shooting an animal and you're, projectile point of whatever you're shooting is getting inside you know on All the that. north side of the diaphragm yeah. which the diaphragm is like the muscle that is is behind the lungs and heart that separates it from the gut if you're poking something inside of there i think you cut the hoses coming out of the heart yeah with the deer so yeah. we're talking about a different animal now yeah, yeah you hit the lungs too yeah on the deer was, yeah i was looking at the lungs there was he lost blood 
blood pressure pretty quick. He yeah, because he went down super quick. <laughs> Tell people about the um, the uh, I think it's called the Jesse Griffiths two cut three strip boar hide skinning method. Oh, skinning, yeah, on those big boars where you you get down, you know, behind the shoulder where you got that that shield and that hide when you're pulling it down will start to hang up and it kind of it'll just it'll stick up at an angle explain the shield uh it's a it's it's this kind of i don't want to call it fat it's not fat it's not cartilage it's this it's very rubbery dense um subcutaneous layer and i've seen it up to maybe four inches thick it's like freaking raw hide man it's like it's uh, tough it's tough on everything it's tough on bullets stuff on arrows it's i don't have knives i don't handle enough pigs where i i forget about it yeah like every whatever years when i go to skin a boar i'm like holy shit what is this stuff yeah it's i kind of always and then I it's, always forget but it's about different it. too i mean some are worse than others you see you, you can see them like real bad on some and i mean i think a lot of it like like clay was saying it's like you know they fight a lot and they go head to head and so they're hitting each other's shoulders uh with their with their cutters, you know, that's where those, you know, when they go, when they bump head to head, that's where they're hitting is right there in those shoulders. So they've developed, it's almost like a scar tissue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just very thick, dense. It's, I mean, it's like, if it was, you know, I, I would liken it to like rubber, like a real thick sheet of rubber. It's just very hard. But when you're skinning it, it just, the hide just, it, it makes it stand at an angle. And so if you are if you're looking at the hog and say you got it hanging by its back legs with its back to you, not its belly, but its back to you, you separate that hide into three strips, three vertical strips. And what that does is take some of that pressure off and then you're able to just skin those strips out individually from the hind legs all the way to the head. Yeah, like imagine that you made your gutting incision. Yeah. But then you turn them and do a gutting incision down either loin. Yeah, yeah. Kind down of. the outside of either loin. So now it's like he's slit crotch to throat, but now he's slit like whatever the hell. Yeah, it's like three three sections, the the left side, the right side, and then just right down the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, along, um, a little bit wider than the, than the back straps. But, I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's not a science to it. But what you're doing is just alleviating that pressure a little bit. And, you're, and then you're able to push down apply downward pressure with your non-cutting hand while you're skinning and just get that knife and just do it strip by strip. It makes a world of difference. Yeah, it's a lot easier. It's a good trick, you know, for those that want to clean a big boar. It's not not for everybody. But I think all the boars that we got this this trip, they they seem to be pretty good. They smelled real good. I think they're going to eat well. They're going to eat better probably in that sow. You think so? The skinniest pig I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Can you tell everybody about your book? Your hog book? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you can, know, I, can I endorse it first or you want me to endorse it after you tell everybody? I mean, I don't know if you want to endorse it. I mean, well, I'll say this. <laughs> yeah. That, um, I, I feel like you, you probably, this is a, this is going to be a, this is a bold but fair statement. There's probably no one that knows more about wild, wild hog cooking, right? There's probably no one that knows more about cooking wild hogs than you. I mean, I, on the face of the earth, I doubt that. Um, who, who? I mean, I don't know who that person is. Probably, you know, some some, but you, but some you, old old guy. Or maybe no, because you deal old. with them. You deal with them as a hunter. It's true. You deal with them as a professional chef. You buy the sons of bitches. You sell the sons of bitches. It's true. 
I, I enjoy them. Are you, I mean, I, I'm, I'm stealing it. You called me the hog apologist. Yeah. I, I, I love <laughs> that. I love yeah. that. Well, yeah, Jesse had criticized one of our pigs. And I'm like, if Jesse criticizes a pig, it's got real problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he celebrates all pigs. I try to make a case for him. I love them. I love those things. Uh, that sow, I, I, felt, I felt a little bad for that sow. Like, you know, she was out at noon and I just, I mean, I, I, I have a real, I have a real soft spot for all animals. I mean, I really do. I still do. I get sad and I felt a little sad for that sow, even though I actively endorsed, uh, you killing her. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I feel like, you know, it's like, it's such a tough life to be a female wild pig. I mean, she's down to two piglets. Who knows how many she started out with? And I, and I, I'm, I, I'm a, I'm going to project this. I assume that you hate the personification of animals, but I'm going to do this anyway. Um, but I, I imagine you mean that, anthropomorphism. Yes, yes. So I mean, at some point yesterday, those piglets were like, "Mommy, we want to go. We want to go get in the mud by the pond." And she's like, "It's noon. We can't go to the pond." And they're like, "We want to go." And they finally annoyed her until she went to the pond. I don't think wow. this actually happened. Wow. It, I don't think this actually happened this at, way. At high noon, she goes to the damn pond, and you know, yeah. and wow, yeah. it was. I mean, this is this is was heavy. Some strong anthropomorphism. This is heavy. It was. I like and, it. I, like, I think that that did happen. Yeah. And they went like, to the Mommy, pond. where's Daddy? Yeah. Does Daddy not love us? <laughs> Why is yeah. he on that Maybe other he's sound? at the pond. <laughs> <laughs> and and so they went to the pond and you know, and now they you know, those snotty little piglets, you know, now they're orphans. Anyway. Jeez, <laughs> wow. It's true though. Everything true. he's saying is true. It's so true. They had to go. They just wanted some whatever that was in the mud that they Well, wanted. we tried to get them too. <laughs> true yeah well, and i endorsed that i i endorsed that heavily you know uh in fact in our pasta last night we uh ate a uh that was a six pound pig that was in there uh is that right yeah live weight or uh, yeah uh so i mean i i i endorsed the uh the taking of all hogs i still have a little bit of a soft spot yeah yeah but i mean back to the notion i mean i appreciate that and i i'm i i like celebrating pigs and i i appreciate what they are as far as a, as a resource uh and i think that people uh they underutilize them, and and uh, I mean, I uh, like I said, I I I think we need to kill um, a vast majority of them, and I and I, I support that. But at the same time, uh, maintaining some respect for them as animals, I think mm-hmm. it's super important. But uh, I I I love looking at each individual hog, and you know, doing the assessments, you know, and uh, all the boars look good. That sow, yeah, she was most drawn down uh, pig I have ever seen. She was uh, she was just skin and bones. You know how we did the where, where you can go to signs underscore west and see the javelina eating turkey shit uh, under Seth's boot? Yeah. Uh, if you go to at Stephen Ranella, I will post a episode of my new show called Jesse Griffiths hog Judges Your Hog. Oh. <laughs> and it's Jesse Griffiths giving Clay a walkthrough of his hog and what he could expect Yeah, from a culinary perspective. Yeah. No, I, I like it. I think I'm getting real good at it. And I mean, well, that's, that's okay. Well, let's come full circle to the book. That's what the book is about is that, you know, people will come to me and they're like, what's your favorite recipe for a feral hog? And it's, I mean, I try not, I'm not, not trying to be angry or, or annoyed by that, but it's like, that's, that's a, that's a tough question right there. It's like, well, how big is your pig? Did you just shoot a 325 pound boar or did you just shoot an 18 pound shoat? There's a huge difference in how you're going to show, 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 or guilt. Uh, uh, and uh, it's a big difference in how 
you're going to treat those two animals. And I think that a lot of the, the problems that people have with, with cooking, a lot of failures that they have is because they want to do a one-size-fits-all approach to all those hogs. Therefore, what's your recipe for feral hog? If there's, there's, you know, what, what does the hog look like? And how can you frame that in a way, so you, but you're not getting overtly technical or just talking over people or, or just making it just a, a hassle to discern the qualities of a hog. So we, when we did the book, we broke it down into four categories. It's, hmm. it's a small hog, it's a medium hog, it's a large sow and a large boar. That's we interesting. Do diff, different butchery diagrams, uh, well, you know, step by step uh, for all four of those pigs, like how to break that down. And then each one of those is followed by a substantial amount of recipes that are mostly going to work for that category of hog now granted you can make sausage out of any hog so but what we did we try to put the recipes with the appropriate size and so it's kind of a field guide textbook so now when people are like what's your favorite recipe for a feral hog and they could be like well i just shot a very fatty sow good best thing you can do you know food wise and then you can open to the chapters fatty sow you know what i think you guys ought to do when you publish this print it is do color-coded tabs we did you did, yes, sir. I didn't know. I didn't know you had physical print or that. No, no. I mean, oh, okay. it's in the works. Oh, it's no. In the no. Work. Like okay. when you look at the book, I can't the the end pages. You'll see the That's different. Great. Yeah. What's the title of the book? The Hog Book. Pretty. The Hog pretty Book. The Hog Apologist. The Hog Book. Yeah. No, it's not out yet. We're still. We just. Launched, yeah, you got to tell everybody about this whole deal too. Yeah, we launched Kickstarter. We're self-publishing it, so we did a Kickstarter. Um, uh, we reached our goal. Um, took us wow. uh, eleven days. We got there. Oh, yeah. So what do people need to do now to support? Well, you I, can, I'll, I'll point out this. Jesse got torn. COVID has torn Jesse a new one. Yes, sir. <laughs> mm. I mean, I haven't got the COVID, but. No, but I'm uh, saying the, that for yeah, your the, business. The, the situation has been rough. Yes. Yeah. Like yes. you had a, you had a restaurant. Yeah. You had to shut a restaurant down. Yeah. From COVID lockdowns. You had to like greatly, like basically almost close your other restaurant, except for some outside dining. Right. It's just been a wreck. So I mean, you, I, I, but you're plowing ahead with this book, which is good. Yeah, but you know, I think we're going to be okay. You know, we're just we're we're just fighting it out. You know, and uh, I'm, yeah, I'm just hopeful at this point. But yeah, the, I mean, the book's been in the works for literally a decade. Like we have been working on this ever since we published the first book. We had actually started work on this prior to that being published, and that came out in 2012. So, it, talk, mm-hmm. so the Kickstarter deals people could kick down, and, they, and presumably they get a book when it comes out. Yeah, there's different packages. There's one book, two book, three books. There's, uh, you know, we sold a butchery class. We sold, uh, there's hats, some nice first light hats with the hog book logo on them. I like that hat. Where yeah. can they get that hat? I had a guy message me yesterday about your hat. <laughs> uh, the Kickstarter. No, I mean, just because we met our goal doesn't mean we can't keep going. Yeah. Definitely would like to keep going. So can people at this, I don't know when we're going to release this soon, presumably, people can still go support the book and get the book. Yeah, I think we've got maybe 15, 20 days left on uh, the Kickstarter. So then what do they do? Can they pre-order? Uh, we won't, probably won't have pre-orders ready until we physically print the book. So, so there's nothing people can do right now to help? Kickstarter. They can go to Kickstarter. But you said you're going to shut it down. Well, Kickstarter shuts itself down. We have a 45-day campaign. And I think we're, we're probably 25 to 30 days in, if I remember correctly. Okay. Uh, and then after that, I mean, we're going to get the book printed, and so it should be available. And we're self-distributing everything and and self-publishing, and so it should be available around March. Fingers crossed. Gotcha. And then they can do it. Then we've got there's websites and stuff, and so you can contact us. We'll the see. Hog Book. The Hog Book. Damn. Yeah. 
like that damn book. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. I'm proud of it. 115 recipes. Pretty, I there's some pretty good heavy. Pic- wow. A lot of good pictures, I guess. Well, the, so I'm partners in this book with the photographer who did a field. And nice. so he, and one of the great things about self-publishing is that we get to do whatever content we want. Well, first yeah. off, self-publishing enables us to do any kind of gore that we want. Like, I mean, for lack of a better term. To show what really what's happening in the butchering process. Absolutely. I mean, and there, without any kind of editorial issues. Like, if I want a picture of a skinned out pig's head in there, it's going in. Yeah. And then, but also, speaking to that, we can put as many photos in there as we want. And you know it's what got a picture a I want to see? What's that? I want to see a, a full... A full vertical, full vertical picture of you with an apron on, holding that big, that big butcher knife you've got, and your mallet, standing yeah. beside a big half-skinned <laughs> wild hog. Yeah, with like a cool background. We're bringing it full That'd circle good, here. Like That's you the open vision. It up. That's the vision of the photo right there. Clay. There you go. Yeah, I already took that photo. <laughs> yeah. Can you make this whole? Th- I'm getting stressed out about something. Oh no. Can you make this whole Kickstarter thing like keep going or some no. other thing keep going? No. No. Because no one's going to... Re- Here's the thing. We're wasting our breath because people aren't going to remember to go buy the damn book in March. Well, I mean, there'll be more promotion. We'll get back in front of people. Well, uh, yeah, they'll be able to pre-order. Doing, yeah. No, he's not doing pre-orders. We're not, not yet. We're not set up for it yet. But, but after but Kickstarter, you'll do pre-orders. We will get set up for that. We, we kind of want to have the book in like physical. Can you do state. this? Can you, can, never mind. I mean, we're going to do some promotional stuff with First Light. No, I'm trying to think here. It's like, I feel like that people should hear this and they'll want to go buy the book. Right. But they're going to get screwed because they're going to go to the Kickstarter thing. It's not going to be on. They're going to forget. March will come around. They won't buy the book and it won't be good for anybody. And it won't be helping you out. Well, we just have to get in front of them again, (sighs) which it'll happen. Set a reminder on your phone. (laughs) Listen, if you're there at home, Set a reminder on your phone that says, uh, buy Jesse's book come March. There you go. Or just go right now to Kickstarter if you've still got, if this comes out in time. I just don't know what our schedule's like. It's not going to. How do you know? I just heard the one we did last week was coming out January 4th. Yeah, but I have, I already been, I already texted Corinne. Special powers. Just right now. I'm like, I don't care what we got going on. We got to get this out for the Kickstarter deal. I love it. Yeah, we're we'll we're, see. She might say she might Seems say you're man high. Of action. Yeah, I mean, the better we do on Kickstarter, the more we get printed in the first run. So that's I mean that's a good deal. So Freaking we can hog probably book. get hog book, maybe ten thousand copies printed in the first run. You can buy that hog book, Seth. Yeah, I'm gonna save all my <laughs> I'm gonna save all my hog meat for when the book comes out. There you go. I know the hipsters in LA do not have that hat yet. Oh, please tell me. So I'm at my uh, fancy wine shop in L.A., close to where I live, buying a couple bottles of natural wine, and I'm wearing a First Light hat, the one you're wearing right now on the shoot. I don't have a hat on. Well, the one you were <laughs> you traded me with the Bear Grease hat. Oh, also, you're not getting this Bear Grease hat. That is a lie. You can have his hat. No. Mm-hmm. Again. Uh, I'll forfeit this. It one, looks but. good on you, Chris. Yeah, it really. Does. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna get it's me nice one of the Burgery's hats. But I do like I the like first light hat. version. But my I kid, a lot of the listen, my kid took hats. to wearing. Clay sent me a camo Burgery's hat and that Burgery's hat. Yeah. My kid took to taking my camo Burgery's hat. Yep. Um, 
in, in my, my first light bear grease hat. I like that and one too. That was one right there. It caught on so much at his school. He's in, he's 10. It caught on so much at his school that he got on my phone and texted Clay because he needed three. <laughs> yeah. He needed yeah. two for his hunting buddies at school and another one for his teacher. Oh, he's putting orders in. Yeah. So then I was like, you And the better, teacher wanted one. I, I was like, you better be awful I polite. admired his, uh, his, his forthrightness. He just, you know, he said, I can't remember how he addressed me. I think he said, hey, this is, and he said his name, and he said, Steve's boy. And then he wrote this pretty <laughs> articulate description, concise but articulate, of why he needed three Bear Grease hats. Yep. Huh. Which he got. Huh. <laughs> so, so now simple. a significant percentage of the kids at his elementary school are running around in the Bear Grease hat and the teacher. Cool. The teacher but has one? He needed two for his buddies and one for his teacher. Wow. It, isn't that right? I don't I don't recall. Maybe I'm wrong. Either way. Anyhow, so there you are in your fancy wine shop. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm in my wine shop. I'm wearing that first light hat. And this uh, one. Yeah. This very one. That very one. Okay. And I asked him, I was in there because COVID, they got it all shut down. You can't go in it. And you just tell him what you, you want. You yell in through the window? Yeah, you yell into a guy. And I was like, give me he like I was like, you got any orange wines? And he brings me two. I was like, which one's more blue collar? And he thought that was funny. And then he rec- I got a good wine. I get that. <laughs> You like that, right? The the natural wine, orange wine, natural wine. Which one's more blue collar? Yeah, a solid. It's a good. I thought it was too, right? Thanks, He's man. like, uh, neither. No, he was like, we've uh, strayed very far. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, he sees the first light hat, and as he's like bagging up my wine, he's like, you don't often see a first light hat in L.A. And I was like, oh yeah, are you a hunter? Like, do you hunt stuff? And he's like, yeah, a little bit of small game, this and that. I was like, oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, I, I sometimes work on the show Meat Eater, if you're familiar. Sometimes, all the time. He's like, oh, I, I fucking love Meat Eater, man. I love it. Point of the story is, you got fans everywhere. Oh, thank you, Chris. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sometimes. Even in L.A. wine oh, shops. all the time. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't want to, I didn't want to sound braggadocious. Were you braggadocious. trying to distance yourself from it? No, no, no. Oh, no, okay. of course. Do I wear that hat all the time. Yeah. Give us no, some I just didn't, give I just some didn't, street cred with the case. Yeah, you know, I just don't like sounding this, like this bragging. Yeah, you don't I don't want to be a blowhard. You don't sound like a blowhard. No, I, be, I don't want to feel that you're distancing yourself. That was his yeah, first step no, no. to telling you that he's going back to the puppets. puppets. <laughs> no, I wear two hats. <laughs> I wear that hat or I wear my other, which is a meteor logo on a first light camo hat. Oh. Those are the only two hats I and wear. Now and now it's going to be a third Bear Grease hat. And then when I get Jesse's hat, dude, I'm getting a fucking hat collection here. <laughs> this is good shit you may have heard i've been doing well on hats <laughs> <laughs> not doing so good on the income but i got hats all right everybody go by uh well i don't know in march <laughs> come march set the reminder on go, your phone go by what's the book called the hog book the hog book by yes. jesse griffiths yes sir the hog book by jesse griffiths photographs or, by jody horton that's who did the field I'm looking forward. Did to you win that. the Beard Award for a field? Did not. They we passed you. Got over. nominated. Some passed British guy uh, wrote a book about fruit. He beat me in my category. Oh, that stung. A book. It's like, is he a farmer? What's he have to do with fruit? He just wrote a book about fruit. Cookbook. Dude, I'm sure it was great. Wait, what, what's the yeah, book I'm say? Sure. It says like, oh, there's a thing called fruit grows on trees. Yeah. What more do I have to say? Yeah. That's the book. No, I'll take a nomination. <laughs> the page. That's cool. yeah, that's you like raspberry? So does everybody that's awesome. else. <laughs> Yeah, that's a real big deal. Um, All right. Thank you, everybody. Shut her down. Cut.
Hey, you ever needed something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, or refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. You got to see your local store for details. Hey, if you're looking for a thermal device that does pretty much everything on the planet, check out Pard Optics FT34 Thermal Front Clip-On. It is a game changer in thermal. It's a versatile three-in-one device with a quick detach mount for easy scope attachment, eliminating the need for re-zeroing every time you put it on. It offers features like one-shot zero, PIP mode, blind pixel correction, auto hot target tracking, Wi-Fi connectivity, and, this gets my kid very excited, video recording to a 128 gigabyte micro SD card. You can even use it as a compact handheld spotter for scouting. This unit does it all. Check out the FT34 as well as many other great optics at www.pard.com.